Giving center stage to furniture refinishers is a highlight of this podcast. It's certainly one of our primary objectives. Today, we get to announce our October featured artist. She is experienced, gifted at picking the right projects to dramatically transform old and ordinary pieces into lifelong treasures. That talented artist is none other than Lindsay Bowman of Rustic Owl Furnishings. We'll pry a little into her background, discuss a few of her popular pieces, then after a short break, we'll discuss a technique known as soda blasting. This is Zebra's Before and After. I'm your host, Lane Ball. Hi, Lindsay. It's so cool to have you as our featured artist for October and chat with you on the podcast this week. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Glad to have you on, and I'm doing great today. Listen, I did a little research and discovered that you are really not too far from where I lived when I was young. I lived really? in a little town called Yep. I lived in a little town called Durand. Are you familiar with Durand? Oh, yeah. Actually, my mom grew up there. Really? Uh, yeah. That's, that's cool. So you live in Owasso. Mm-hmm. Is she still living in Durand, or does she live in Owasso? She lives in Owasso now. Yep. But she went to Durand High School and. Now, it's interesting because it's been many years since I was in Michigan. Uh, actually, we moved out of Michigan when I was eight. And it's funny because my youngest daughter is nine. And so I'm like, I moved about the same time that she is. So it's really, I guess when you think of the whole scheme of things, it's a short amount of time of your life, right? Right. <laughs> but I had a lot of really good memories. We lived on a street. I had a bunch of friends on that street and we would play hiding seek at night and ball and all kinds of things. We had a lot of fun because it's been so long. I have a few questions. Is Durand Mm -hmm. like, is it a town or is it more of like a district? Like what is, is it, what's Durand today? Is it like grown? I believe it's a city. I believe it's considered a city now. Okay. Cause it, cause it it was small. Yeah. (laughs) It's grown a bit. They have um, a lot of good restaurants there now. And uh, of course, the train depot. And that's a uh-huh. big hub for a lot of traveling. Oh, well, that's just so cool. It's a small world. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what is Michigan weather like today? Today, it's um, 70 degrees. <laughs> Yesterday, I My think deal. it was 50. So <laughs> was it really? Yeah. It's all over the yeah, place this time of year. <laughs> well, 70 degree weather. Do you, now, do you have sunshine? Um, it's kind of dismal today, overcast. Well, at least you got the 70 degree weather. It has been amazing here in North Carolina over the past several days. I mean, we had some, you know, we had some inclement weather, you know, late summer with what seemed to be a lot of rain and some clouds, Mm -hmm. but lately we have enjoyed cooler temps and sunny days. So it's it's been nice. It's like, as best I can remember, fall is, is pretty nice up there. I mean, you've got a lot of beautiful, bright colored trees and, the temperatures, I mean, they, they hover around the 60, 70. I know, like you said, it dipped into mm-hmm. the 50s, but 60 degrees, 70 degree weather with low humidity is like pretty much fall for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. And I love it. Fall's my favorite season and the leaves changing. It's just so pretty to see all that. Well, certainly inspirational from a furniture refinishing standpoint. And that's a little plug for the Zebra Review for October because it's called October Glory. And that means all these fall colors, I mean, the greens, the reds, the oranges, and the yellows, those can be used as inspiration for pieces that uh, we're asking for people to enter. So we hope you enter as well, Lindsay. Yeah, I will. I I was excited about that category because I love painting in all of those colors. Yeah, exactly. So, So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I 
actually today is my wedding anniversary. My, we've been married for two years oh, wow. today. Congratulations. So, thanks. Yeah. And so I have three kids and he has one. So we kind of merged like the Brady Bunch a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we, my oldest is 15. He's just going through driver's training, which is a bit scary. And um, then my daughter will be 12 in three days. His daughter is 11. And then my youngest is six. So I have a son that's getting ready to turn 18 in November. And then I have a 15-year-old daughter and then a nine-year-old daughter. So we've got some, mm-hmm. some ranges there. Yeah. <laughs> Do they all get along wonderfully well? Mm. Well, I'd like to say <laughs> yes, but they have their moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as they all do. So is your background art and creativity? I really enjoyed graphic arts in um, high school and in college, and I always liked doing those painting classes. And so I, I just decided one day I was looking at my ugly sofa table, and I thought, hey, I'll see what this looks like. Green. I think it was green was the first color I used. Um, and I love doing it. And so I kept doing it. And then, yeah, I just, I fell in love with doing it. So how long exactly have you been refinishing? Um, I've been refinishing for, I think it's going on three years. Wow. So you've, you've been in it long enough to establish a business and to really sort of know your way around the refinishing techniques and all the different brands and colors and different types of paint. Um, wh- tell me, what's your favorite part of refinishing? I think my favorite part would be getting to the painting. Um, everything up to the painting is just the nitty gritty. You have to do it kind of stuff. And I enjoy painting the most. That pre-stuff is like laborious and in- intensive. <laughs> it is. So what's your favorite style of furniture to work on? I love those old, old dressers. Like, I think my favorite ones to do would be the three or four drawer little chests. I love those. Mm-hmm. Every time I see them, I love to just scoop them up. And I know this is sort of a, maybe a tough question, but like, what's the oldest piece do you think you've ever worked on? Like how, how many years back do you think it, it would be? I think it, I think the oldest one I ever worked on, and I would only be guessing, but it was probably middle 1800s. Oh, wow. Now, were you, does that, does that make you nervous working on them when they're that older? I guess it depends on if you own it or if it's a commission piece. <laughs> um, I bought that one, so I, was, I wasn't too nervous about it. Yeah, usually they're hand-built, and so there's not really, you can't, really can't find out much information about it other than, yeah. you know, what kind of joinery they used, and then you can kind of mm-hmm. date it back to, well, this was only popular between you know 1800 and 1900 and so where do you find your pieces um i mean there's i guess a multitude of different options that uh, that everybody uses to a degree but what do you find to be most successful way to locate pieces um i'm always looking on that facebook marketplace they usually people are you know give basically give their furniture away on there um that's where i find the cheapest things or i'll do you know thrift stores sometimes they have good stuff um, in my town, not so much. It's hit or miss really on the furniture at the thrift stores um, or estate sales. I go to those every now and then. When you when you talk about going through Facebook Marketplace, and I know you can put a radius, you know, how far out uh, that you want to mm-hmm. see pieces. Do you find yourself having to kind of leave the community to, to get a lot of your pieces? Most of the time, yeah. Um, but I also work in Lansing. So I find most of the stuff around Lansing and then I can kind of just go and 
pick it up after work on my way home. Yeah, because Lansing's the capital of Michigan, right? Yes, yep. I I remembered that much. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Even though I don't think it's the biggest city. Yeah, no, that's true. Yep. And, uh, but that's Mm -hmm. cool that you, that you work there. So like you said, you can sort of broaden your base as far as where you can find pieces. So that's, that's nice. Mm -hmm. Now, what type of paint do you enjoy using the most? Um, I started out using Fusions paint. Um, I think they are an acrylic based paint. I love that one. Just has like a built-in top coat, so it's extremely durable. Um, and then I think it was about a year ago I discovered the Chippy Barn paint, which is a ceramic-based paint. Mm-hmm. And um, that one has just kind of blown me away. I, I find myself using that one more and more. Just the self-leveling properties are, I don't even think I found a paint that kind of compares to that. Just zero brush strokes every time. Well, the, the zero brush strokes, to be honest with you, is probably because you're using zebra paint brushes. Yes, I do. I exclusively <laughs> use those. <laughs> no, I don't want to short circuit the Chippy Barn because they do have phenomenal paint as well as Fusion. Mm-hmm. But it is neat to have that self-leveling paint property to it that uh, smooths it out. But mm-hmm. we certainly tout the fact that our smooth filaments produce smooth results. So. Uh, but anyway, now having said that, uh, favorite uh, top coat that you use? Now I know, like for example, Fusion. You mentioned that uh, has the primer in it, and I don't think you need top coats with Fusion. I know you can use them, but is there mm-hmm. a specific top coat that you typically go to? I've been using the um, Verithane, their water-based polyurethane. That's the one I uh-huh. go to the most. Do you find that because it's water-based, do you have to put multiple coats on? How, do, how? What about the durability? Have you found that to be really good? I've never heard a, a problem with it. Um, I usually put on three or four coats. If mm-hmm. it, it, it depends if I'm using water-based or oil-based. I try to put three or four if I'm using either one. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty standard uh, from conversations I've had with other refinishers and using top coats. And I think that's pretty standard, if I'm not mistaken, on a lot of different top coats is, is on average, maybe three, three different coats, which is nice because it seals it well and it gives it that durability that you want to make sure that you're giving to your customer when they pick up your pieces and use them for years to come. So that's that's really good. Now we're going to discuss a few of Lindsay's pieces. Listeners, as always, you can check out these projects while we discuss them by going to our podcast page on thezebrablog.com and clicking on Lindsay's feature. The pieces discussed will be noted with a podcast symbol. You can also go to our Enjoy Zebra YouTube channel and see the pieces displayed as we talk about them there. Now the first furniture piece we'll discuss, Lindsay, is what you call your favorite piece. And it was a French provincial chest of drawers. It's not French provincial any longer. (laughs) Describe (laughs) the current look for us and tell us about the refinishing process. Yeah, I, that one was actually a commissioned piece. Um, She wanted it. She actually messaged me a picture of a mid-century modern dresser that I did and wanted the same look. And so I had the French provincial to show her and she absolutely hated it. (laughs) And, um, she's like, I hate the poles. And I'm like, well, those can be changed. So I'm like, we can do a modern twist on this. And she's like, I'm completely trusty, which is always nice to hear. So she just gave me the color she wanted to use. And then she said, do whatever you want with it from there. Just get rid of those poles is what she said. (laughs) (laughs) That was the easy part, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So I, um, 
I painted the whole body with that because I, I wanted to save the top and do a wood top, but there was quite a bit of damage on the corners. They were all busted off, so I did have to bondle those, um, so then I had to paint it. So I painted that and the sides, and then I did a wash, which is just paint and water mixed together. I usually try to do a one-to-one -one and then kind of just wash it over like a stain, let it sit for, for a few minutes, and then wipe it back. Um, so I did that on the three bottom ones, and then I painted the top, and then I ordered modern pools, and it just gave it a whole completely different look. I was in love with it. She was too. At what point did you show her like update photos of what you did? Did you wait till you got it like completed or did you show her some uh, pictures like as you got to, you know, a, a specific stage? I did show her the drawers sanded down to bare wood because I wanted to show her what the grain would look like before I washed it um, to see if, if she liked that or if she wanted me to paint the whole thing. But then after that, I didn't send her pictures till it was done and she was really excited. She's actually using it for her nursery. So I thought it was a really, really calming, tranquil piece to use in her nursery. It is so cool. And I think you even mentioned this, I believe, on your Instagram account with this piece that uh, just that you're able to take it from one style to a whole new style. And but it's cool, though, because you know, it's not total MCM. I mean, you still have some reflections there of the French provincial, but you don't see it as French provincial. So it's just, it's such a unique piece. It's, you you yeah. did a phenomenal job on that. Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you probably said, now, wait a minute, I changed my yeah, mind. I, I think don't I'll keep like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see why it's your favorite piece. It really is an incredible transformation. Thank you. Well, this next piece we chose to discuss is a beautiful mini buffet. You painted this piece, but you also left exposed wood on the top and legs. It's definitely unique. So describe what makes it unique to our listeners and tell us how you ended up with the stunning results. I found that piece. One of my friends actually found it in a old pole barn. And um, it was kind of in rough shape. So I had to do a bit of repair before I could paint it. But when I saw it, I knew that I had to leave the legs bare wood in the top. I just love bare wood with that color. I believe it was raw silk um, by Fusion. This was before I got a, a nice sander, but I had to hand sand all of that. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> and Yes, and it took me so long. Are you talking about power hand sander or are you talking like a palm sander? Are you talking about like just a regular pad sander that you use like elbow grease? Yep, elbow grease. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> my work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. My arms were certainly tired after. I think I spent <laughs> I spent a good couple hours getting it to where I wanted it to be. Uh, I love the determination, though. I mean, you you knew what you were going for. You were uncovering the treasure of uh, mm -hmm. of what was to be seen. Now, I have a question though with respect to sanding. When you get into some of these areas that become more ornate. Are you like, how are you getting into these tiny areas? Are there, are you just using the corner of the sanding block? I mean, like what's happening there? I just use a sheet of sandpaper that I would just hook onto one of my sanders and I kind of fold it up to get in the crevices and just go back and forth with it. Well, accolades on that. Now I have to comment about this because an interesting element on this piece is that the bottom shelf so you've got the buffet, then you've got the legs. The legs have left been left exposed. You, that's where you did all that work, and of course yep. the top too. 
but so then you've got the I guess you call it the shelf and you've painted that the same color as the body of the buffet but mm -hmm. instead of the the piece being open at the bottom the back of the piece uh, is closed it has a closed back and it's not just a solid piece of I mean it is a solid piece of wood but it's got some design in that too uh, some vertical horizontal lines did you close that up or did it come like that it came like that actually and I had never seen anything like that. And I really hope I find something like it again because it was it was so unique and it was so cool. And I paid it probably a little more than I would have normally for it, but I I thought it was so neat. And I'm like, I have to revive this because it was in rough shape and just so unique and I I couldn't pass it up. I love that about yeah. that, the back. Yeah, I know. That's what really stuck out, I think, to us is that... Uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, multiple things. It's uh, it's an ornate piece, but it's not overly ornate. It's got a lot of linear uh, shapes to it. But when you get to that back, it just is like a it's a, it's a really cool backdrop to it. It mm -hmm. also allows the the stained pieces to really pop as well. Uh, so it's really mm -hmm. nice. Now, is the it looks like there's some distressing on here as well, where the where the painted uh, portions are. Yep, I did distress around the edges lightly, and I kind of wanted it to have the farmhouse -y vibe so i did distress around the edges is this a two drawer piece yep it was two drawers it had really cool hardware on it um but actually it was missing one so i had to put new ones on they were really you know detailed drop poles but uh -huh. i was kind of bummed i only had three gosh i bet that's frustrating when you find something unique like that and you want to keep original elements and you just you know and you're missing one piece <laughs> <It's> yep. like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> i suppose you keep those to maybe potentially use them in the future i did keep them yep just in case i ever find something that has three knobs <laughs> yeah <laughs> well maybe we'll we'll see them uh, at some point uh, down the yeah. road did you keep this piece or was it uh, did you sell it i did sell it and it was um actually i got asked to sell my stuff at a store um, I had been asked to sell at a store before, but they were also far away from me. So I didn't feel like it was worth it. But this store was only, I think maybe 20 minutes from my house. So I thought, what, well, you know, I'll try it out. And so I, I saved this piece until they opened and, um, it was the first, it was sold the first day they opened. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Great, great job staging as well. I mean, it's just the, the right amount of, you know, items that you included in this piece, not to take away from it, but just to add to it. So nice work. Thanks. This last piece is an amazing transformation. It was originally a small end table, maybe a piece from the 70s or 80s. Um, Lindsay can correct me if I'm wrong there, but you totally changed the look. I mean, totally. <laughs> drastically. Yeah. Tell yep. us all about it. That one, um, I think I picked that up for 10 bucks on my way home from work. It was an old Ethan Allen piece, I believe. And it was just three drawer, little mini dresser, oversized end table. And when I saw it, I immediately thought, I want to turn this into an apothecary cabinet, style cabinet. And um, so I, I think the first thing I did, I got it home. I ordered hairpin legs and they were there the next day. So I put those on. I, I believe they were six inch. And mm -hmm. so it raised it up off the ground a bit. And then I, what else did I do? I put the apothecary hardware on and painted it white. And the top, I sanded down. I love that one. <laughs> it did. It looked like a totally different piece. 
Now, where the 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 top, I don't know if that's a drawer. Um, it's got the four apothecary pools on it. Mm-hmm. Is that a drawer or is that just part of the design? It's a drawer, yep. It was three drawers. The design of those drawers, it looks like it's got four compartments to it. You know, it's been routed. It's got routed edges, you know, throughout to make it look like four specific uh, drawers, old, old-timey old drawers. Mm-hmm. But the face of that, where the apothecary pools are, is that also sanded and then it's just like a like a stain or a weathered wash? Yep, I did sand those down to bare wood and then I used a um, whitewash on those. And the same as the top. I used a whitewash on the top also. That's super nice. How did you choose the, um, just for our listeners, uh, hopefully you guys are able to look at these pieces as we talk about them, but I know some of you are driving and probably refinishing as you listen, but uh, just so you understand this piece, uh, you've seen a lot of these, as Lindsay said, it's uh, more of an Ethan Allen uh, design. I don't know if I was right on saying 70s or 80s. It's just what it reminded me of. Yep. I probably, I would guess the same thing. Okay, cool. At least I wasn't too far off base there. <laughs> what the, but is the she put the four apothecary pools on the top, and then there's a bigger drawers on uh, the middle drawer and the bottom drawer, and then it's got a pretty good base to it, and that's where below that's where she put the hairpin legs. But the the middle of those two drawers, you didn't put apothecary pools there. You put a different kind of a pool, and it's um, simple. How'd you make that decision? Um, those poles reminded me of. Um like an old and industrial cabinet pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to give it kind of an industrial apothecary farmhouse. I'm making up my own things now. Um, <laughs> look. <laughs> hey, you started and, a new style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they just reminded me of industrial, and that's kind of what I was going for. The reason why I brought it up is because this is all a part of the furniture design. You know, we had a podcast and we had Joe with Click to Restore on and she mentioned that that was one of that was the topic is that furniture refinishing is not just refinishing, it's also design. And that is so true. And we're sitting here looking at this piece and talking to you about it and the decisions that you made to arrive where you uh, where you finished this piece at. Part of it is these decisions when you get to the end, deciding what type of pulls to put on it. But it works really well with it. And I, I don't know, you mean you, you, maybe it would look, you know, look great as well if you had all apothecary pulls on it, but it's such a nice balance to have those two pulls in the middle on the middle and the bottom drawer that are, like you said, that have that industrial look. It just makes it very exclusive and very unique. Uh, so that's, that's just fantastic. Now, well, you said you picked it up uh, off the side of the road, I think you said, <laughs> or you picked it up for $10. Yeah, 10 bucks. Yep. Okay. Now, have you sold this piece? Um, it's actually still in the store. I took it to the store um, that I have my furniture in. I but I just you. took okay, it there. Well, uh, I took it there a couple of weeks ago. So you may you may need to check back. It may be gone now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hope so. As I say to a lot of refinishers, it's probably hard to part with um, a lot of these pieces that you know because each one is unique, and you're like, man, I like that. It's a good thing we have photography, and you can go back and, and see the pieces. Yeah. I'm sure my husband's tired of me saying, I want to keep this and rearranging the whole house every couple months. (laughs) (laughs) He just kind of goes with it now. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he doesn't mind, though, the fact that you make money doing this. So I'm sure that's that's a motivator. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I think that's why he's kind of like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. 
Yeah, I've noticed that, um, you know, there's so many different aspects of refinishing with respect to your own style and you kind of develop your own look and you gravitate towards certain colors. And But as well, I've noticed several of the latest photos that you take in your staging that your staging wall is different. Tell us a little bit about your staging because it's, it's, it's quite unique too and it really stands out. Um, and it's, you know, is this, is this something planned? Is this part of your house? Like, Tell us a little bit about it. So it's a yeah. wallpaper, I guess, in the background. Yep. It's, um, I actually originally bought it for the first time just to line drawers with. And I, I had several requests, um, like custom-wise, to use it. And I, the more I used it, the more I was like, man, I really like this. And um, I've, I had asked my husband, I'm like, can I put this on a wall? And he was kind of like, oh. And then finally he's like, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, what? Okay. So like the next day before he could change his mind, I'm like, I'm putting this up. And um, <laughs> it is a wall in our dining room. And so every time I do take pictures, I have to move our dining room table. But I also like where it is because we have um, French doors right there. So it gives a lot of natural light, which before I would spend quite a bit of time editing photos to lighten it up. But this, with the natural light, um, I'm hoping I can keep using it. So I don't spend as much time editing photos anymore. Yeah, that's so important is to is to look throughout your house, to, to think in terms of the photography, making sure the lighting is good, and finding a place that you can use pretty consistently. Do you have other options in your home that you can use as backdrops, uh, you know, if you if you got tired of this backdrop? Yeah, there's a, an adjacent wall that... I had been using originally that I'll probably have to go back to sometime soon. <laughs> um, I just yeah. don't like the color of our walls right now. So I, I recently bought some paint to repaint our kitchen. I just have to get around to it at some point. You've sort of created your own look here as well with, uh, with this look for your staging, uh, well, dining room slash staging wall. But yeah. uh, that's it's your, so far the pieces that I've seen up next to it really look nice. They stand out nicely from it. Thank you. Yeah, I love using it. So I hope I don't have yeah. to give it up anytime soon. <laughs> well, it's all in your control, so you absolutely yes, can uh, continue to showcase it. Well, thanks for taking the time to share your refinishing processes for each of these pieces. You're welcome. This podcast is sponsored by Zebra, makers of the high-end yet affordable line of application-specific paintbrushes. Zebra's new website is up at enjoyzebra.com and we invite you to take it for a test drive. Test drive because it's more than an ordinary product website. There's plenty of inspiration for you as well as a really cool quiz that guides you to the ideal zebra paintbrush you need for your painting application. You can peruse the products that range from our paintbrushes of course to our latest apron designs to our new paintbrush kit offerings. That, I might add, come in a really unique canvas bag, and any purchase over $35 or more means free shipping for those living in the United States. So much is always happening in this industry, from the introduction of new paint colors and trends, new hardware designs, new techniques developing. Well, today we're going to learn more about a paint removal process called soda blasting. Ever heard of it? Well, today you get to learn a little more about it as we have Lindsay share what she has learned as she has explored this technique herself. Lindsay, what is soda blasting? Um, soda blasting is a form of like stain and paint removal. Yeah. It actually, I think, has been used um, to clean car parts and all that before I think people figured out you could strip furniture with it. 
it's just a more environmentally safe way to strip furniture versus like chemical stripping. Now, do you, you're supposed to drink a soda while you soda blast? <laughs> no, you know, I did think, <laughs> I did think that that might have something to do with it when I first heard of it. I'm like, do they put a two liter of pop in there? But <laughs> it's actually um, baking soda that you use. Yeah. It, well, it's so funny because, you know, when you obviously, you know, when you hear words like that, you, it's just what's familiar to you. So you immediately think of a soda. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I've always heard these. I've never tried it, but I think there's something you can like, you know, stick a, a coin or something, drop a coin into uh, like a, uh, a can of, of soda or pop. And because it's acidic, it will do something to it. You know, I've heard different kinds of stories. So, you know, when I first heard it, I thought, well, maybe... I don't know, maybe they're doing something with the soda because it's, you know, it's got that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got that carbonation in it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. that's why we're here to learn more about it. So, mm-hmm. so, but, so you said it's, it's more like baking. So it's so sodium bicarbonate, um, yep. you know, is what's used. So there's a lot of benefits to that. As you said, it's, it's, you know, obviously environmentally friendly, um, especially when you compare it to some of the chemicals. Now, can it damage certain types of wood? Um, using the soda blasting because you think of sandblasting is it pretty much the same as sandblasting it's just a different type of material it's sort of the the same Um, sand is a little bit more abrasive than um, the baking soda Um, I believe on really soft woods it might I've only tested it out on oak and it did Mm -hmm. not um it did not rough it up at all. Actually, it was quite smooth, which surprised me when I was done. I, run, I ran my hand over it, and it was quite smooth. I was expecting it to be kind of rough. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. But I do believe on on those types of woods, it might be a little bit rougher on. I guess there's the element, too, and we'll talk about maybe equipment, but you know, uh, to the degree of how much pressure you, you have um, when you're doing it, I think you can control pressure. So mm-hmm. that, that way it doesn't damage the substrate. Um, I read that, because uh, I was trying to learn a little bit about this as well. I've never done it. But I read that soda blasting was first used in the early 1980s when they were restoring the Statue of Liberty. And oh, wow. you know, they needed yeah they needed something that would not damage the thin copper plates that make up the statue. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the using sodium bicarbonate came into play. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. So what propelled you to, like, how did you get introduced to it? Um, I, I was watching YouTube one night and I kind of got sucked into the black hole that's YouTube video after YouTube video. It was one of the up next videos, you know, soda blasting. And I thought, oh, I'll watch this one because um, the little thumbnail was a picture of like an intricate um, oak mirror. So I'm like, well, I'll watch this. And I could not even believe what I was seeing. I'm like, I don't, is this sped up? Is it, but the person who was doing the video said it wasn't sped up. This was real time. And mm-hmm. I think two days later, I went and bought a soda blaster because I had to find out. <laughs> so you did, and then you tried it yourself. So you had a great experience, your first experience with it? Yeah, I loaded it up. It was, you know, a little bit of time to put it together and but yeah I I think I stripped two drawers in five minutes and I recorded it um I put it on Instagram um just so people could see in in real time what it actually did and yeah I was blown Mm -hmm. away anything you didn't like about it 
well, I, it makes a big mess. <laughs> all of that <laughs> baking soda has to go somewhere and it ends up all over the ground. But it kind of looked like snow a little bit. When it hits the, the surface of, in this case, the furniture piece, the wood, it almost sort of, uh, as I understand it, sort of, um, not explodes, that's not the right word, but it breaks into tiny little particles, which is probably forms like a dust or a powder. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you, was it, is that kind of what your experience was like almost like a, a, a cloudy kind of environment, a real dusty, heavily dusty? Yeah, it, it did turn into a little bit finer of a powder than you put it into the soda blaster as, but yeah, it was, I wore shorts, which probably wasn't a good choice, but so my legs were kind of dusty. Yeah, and I guess you have to, to do that somewhere where, where there's good ventilation. And mm-hmm. as always, you know, special protective gear required, I'm sure, you know, the right type of yes. masks and, and goggles. Yeah, masks, goggles, and long things. sleeves and pants. That's what I would recommend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take it from me. I, learn I, from my errors. Now, the piece that we were talking about uh, before we had the break and we were talking about the mini buffet and we were looking at the legs and, you know, you said you had sanded that with a hand sand uh, paper. Could you have done that with the soda uh, blasting? I think it would have would have took me 10 minutes instead of a couple hours. But, yeah, (laughs) if I had it back then when I did that one, I definitely would have used it. Well, we won't go there. We won't hang out there long. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, <laughs> little mad about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what equipment is required and is it an expensive investment? You know, you said you popped out and bought one. Was it like something like a mini system or like what's involved in that? I went to our local, local Harbor Freight, which is kind of a cheaper alternative than Home Depot. But I always find good stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. But I got a 15-gallon soda blaster, and it was um, $99. And then the soda, I think, I believe it's 50 pounds, and that was $40. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest thing is the air compressor. So some people have them, some don't. So I think that's where your biggest investment would be, mm-hmm. is getting a good air compressor to run it. Because you need at least a 15-gallon air compressor, which you want 90 PSI and probably five or more CFM output. And all those specs are on the air compressors. Mm -hmm. But anything lower than that, you're not going to be able to run it very efficiently. So when you went to Harbor Freight and you were checking into this soda blaster, did you already have your air compressor? Yep, my husband had one. Um, it's actually a little bit smaller than I would like, so I'm actually in the market to get a new one. I just got to yeah. pull the trigger. They are expensive. But I'm sure when you go to Harbor Freight or wherever it is you go, if you're wanting to check into purchasing one, they probably help you with, you know, what type of air compressor you need if you if you don't have one or you've never purchased one. Again, make sure you, like you said, that it's the right gallon mm-hmm. size and has all the components necessary to uh, get a a functional uh, system going with, with uh, soda blasting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now you mentioned you bought the, the uh, sodium bicarbonate there for the soda blasting. What size uh, bag did you get? It was a 50-pound bag. Do you feel like that it lasts well? Was it, did it use a lot of uh, sodium bicarbonate? Let's see. How many did I use? Four big cupfuls of it to fill the tank about three-quarters full. And it stripped a whole dresser. So I do believe that it would last. You know, a little bit, I would say you could probably get 
Well, I hope 10 or more projects out of a whole bag. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not bad then. It sounds like mm-hmm. it, uh, it's certainly worth it from that standpoint. So are you using it or are you just using it depending on what it is that you need to sand? A lot of, I've had a lot of customer requests for, they just want a bare wood piece. Mm-hmm. And so to hand, not hand sand, well, I have sanders now. I'm never going to hand sand again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It would, it saves so much time and it definitely saves your back because you're not bent over the piece, you know, over your sander, kind of just standing there sweeping this thing side to side. But I have had a lot of requests for bare wood pieces, so, which is what kind of prompted me to go buy one, but I don't have like a huge indoor space to use it. So I, I could probably only use it in the spring and the summer, you know, halfway through fall because in the winter I wouldn't be using it. You know, I think about certain pieces that you pick up and, you know, some pieces are just stained or have, you know, uh, you know, a coating, a varnish. But sometimes you get pieces that have multiple layers of paint on them. It would be interesting to know, like, how soda blasting would work on a piece with multiple layers of paint. Like, I wonder if it would be several phases to get down to the raw wood or if it would take it up. I guess you could crank up the pressure without damaging the, the, you know, the substrate itself. But yeah. what's your thoughts on that? I haven't tried it personally, but what I read up on for like stripping paint, I think I would try using the sodium bicarbonate first, but they do, I mean, you can use sand. And I think the, some of the videos I saw for paint stripping were may, mostly use sand in their blasters. So strip that off because it's more abrasive. So potentially you could start out with sand and then once you realize you're getting close to the wood, you could switch to, um, to the sodium bicarbonate. Do you know if the, these, these units that you buy, are they equipped to handle different materials from the sand to the sodium bicarbonate? Um, I believe the one I bought is only for sodium bicarbonate. Um, I think the bigger sized ones can switch between mediums. My goodness, it sounds like a great option for paint removal, especially in, uh, I don't know, it seems like even in some of these intricate areas, you know, where there's a lot of detail and it's very small and you can't really, I mean, it's hard to get even the corner of sandpaper in there. And if yeah. you do, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> like yeah. You talked about on that buffet. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's certainly a good option for people. Um, you mentioned um, going to YouTube and doing a search. Uh, is that what you mm-hmm. would recommend folks do to learn more? Yeah, I searched um, soda blasting furniture and there's tons of videos out there. And I think I watched them all before I even started using it. Um, they have a lot of good information on those videos. Well, I think it's just, you know, one of those things where it's another option depending on what it is that you're working on, especially if you're pumping out a lot of pieces and you're this is a full-time job. You know, you've got a nice sanding uh, equipment. Uh, and then to have maybe an added element like uh, a soda blaster, that may be a neat element to have to um, your processes. Lindsay, yeah. I think it's safe to say that uh, and assume that you have created a lot of interest with this paint removal option. Thank, for, thank you for taking the time to share what you have learned about it. And thank you for being our Zebra October featured artist. It is really great highlighting you and your incredible talents. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I was super honored that you asked and October is my favorite month of the year. So I was even more excited. That's perfect timing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
The Zebra Review Monthly Contest is underway for October, and the theme is, well, you guessed it, October Glory, in appreciation of this season's beautiful fall colors. Entries are open until October 31st, 2020. Just step outside and appreciate all the colors of reds, oranges, yellows, and greens that are so popular in nature this time of year. Use the hashtag TheZebraReview and you'll have your piece before our judging panel as they will choose three winners. This month's guest judge is Joe with Click to Restore. She was our first place winner for August. Great prizes await the winners from Shakto Interiors Milk Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, Katie Cloud Candle Products, and Zebra Paintbrushes. All pieces refinished from January 1st, 2020 to October 31st, 2020 are eligible for entry. Zebra Collective Quarterly Contest for Fall is open for entries as well. There are so many ways to create your furniture pieces by reflecting the inspiration of fall with vibrant colors to dark crisp colors of fall leaves, cheery and whimsical themes to the natural tones of the season. Make sure you tag your pieces with the hashtag Zebra Collective. We are so grateful to our prize sponsors who range from Weather Wash, Surf Prep Sanding, The Chippy Barn, Redesign with Prima, and our Zebra Paintbrushes. All pieces that were refinished from June 1st, 2020 through October 24th, 2020 may be entered. We would love for many more people to discover the Zebra Before and After podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast directory. It really does make a huge difference in the rankings. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on the zebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at the Zebra. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. Blog.com.